Hello, Jeff here. And before we get into this episode, I have a quick personal favor to ask you. We would love to get the word out about Hackable even more than it already is. And the very best way for people to discover a podcast is through people telling them about it. So if you like what we do and felt inspired enough to let your friends or your colleagues know about it, either through social media or even just good old-fashioned talking, that would be incredible. What's happened with this show has surpassed what any of us who work on Hackable could have ever imagined. It, it has truly been a labor of love and one that we'd love to continue to grow even more. So if you feel inspired enough to help spread the word, we would be grateful to you forever. All right, that is more than enough begging for one show. So without further ado, here's Hackable. We're in Washington, D.C., at the headquarters of a special division of the FBI, one that investigates cybercrimes. We're right in the middle of the command center, a room bustling with action. There's chaos everywhere, with people glued to a giant screen on the wall that tracks all the airplanes currently in flight over North America. They're glued to the screen because something very odd seems to be happening. Something with potentially deadly consequences. The FAA has just confirmed that Wi-Fi is down on four different domestic flights. All from the same airline and all currently in flight. And then another plane's Wi-Fi system goes down. And then another. The investigators are convinced that this might be some kind of coordinated attack. A terrorist attack. Shouldn't we call the president? One of the investigators yells across the room. We're talking planes. And then another plane's Wi-Fi goes down. And then another, and then another. The total now stands at nine planes. Digging into the in-flight Wi-Fi logs, one of the investigators notices that only one device on each plane affected was able to connect to the system at all. And it was those same devices that caused each plane's Wi-Fi router to go down. Nine passengers from nine flights shut off the Wi-Fi from inside the plane? Another investigator asks. Sounds like a coordinated attack to me, says another. The man in charge picks up his phone and makes a call to Homeland Security. He requests that all flights be grounded, redirected to their nearest airport. As you know, he tells the person on the other end of the phone, shutting off passenger communication is a possible precursor to hijacking. The investigators know that if they don't solve this soon, thousands could die. That scene was from an episode of the mercifully canceled show, CSI Cyber. And I say mercifully because it was one of those shows that, in my humble opinion, was totally ridiculous. For starters, just the fact that the FBI would have a division that would track when an individual plane's Wi-Fi system goes on the fritz seems like, well... A huge stretch. In my experience, those in-flight Wi-Fi systems never really seem to work anyway, regardless of where I'm flying. But the reason we're talking about this episode of CSI Cyber on today's Hackable has less to do with in-flight Wi-Fi and more to do with how this hack happened. You see, all of these flights that they were tracking originated from the same airport. And all of the owners of the phones that were causing this outage had all done exactly the same thing. Before getting on those flights, they all charged their phones at a public charging station. And it was at this charging station that all these phones got infected. And now, not only was a hacker able to use these phones to attack the airplane's Wi-Fi system, 
But the same hacker now had access to everything that was on the phone, all the credit cards stored on these phones, as well as photos and videos. Basically, everything. Like most people, I've charged my phone in a bunch of different places. And using the logic of CSI Cyber, yeah, probably even a few questionable places too, but should I really be worried? Is charging my phone actually something I need to be careful about? We're about to find out. Welcome to Hackable, an original podcast from McAfee. This computer is on the job around the clock in case of attack. Their principal target is you. The design is complete, but will it work? Shake hands with danger. I'm Jeff Siskin, and I'm joined as always with Bruce, king of the airwaves now. (laughs) How are you, sir? Good. How are you, Jeff? I'm very well, thank you. Bruce, today... We are doing something that uh, I think is kind of bonkers. Uh, okay. It, it's the little phone charging cables. Uh, yeah. Craig Young, who's a uh, penetration tester, has some sort of hack for me where the little charging cable that that I plug into the wall and I charge uh-huh. my, my cell phone with, apparently, cable is not just a cable anymore. That's right. A cigar uh, is not just a cigar. Yeah, I know. And it's potentially a super dangerous thing mm-hmm. that can be hacked. And apparently, this hack got a lot of notoriety recently at at DEFCON, the annual hacking conference. Right. Uh, yeah, and actually I was I was at, at DEFCON and that's kind of one of these conferences where, you know, uh, the, the hacking community from around the world descends on Las Vegas, which is weird because it's, you know, the, the middle of August and you've got a bunch of people wearing black in Las Vegas. <laughs> uh, but, you know, we all survive. We all survive. We keep hydrated. So Bruce, now uh, Craig Young, who's the principal security researcher at Tripwire Vert, has... Uh-huh sent our story producer, Pedro Mendez, a package with this USB cable. I don't know why it came in an entire package. You could have just sent it to me in the mail in an envelope. But it said Pedro <laughs> Pedro uh, is on his way over to my home studio, and we are going to hook up with Craig over video chat. And apparently he's going to uh, attempt to hack my phone, but I feel not successfully because I have protected my phone. So we will see how this goes. Good luck. Thank you. You don't look like you have a lot of faith in me, Bruce Snell. Well, All right. I mean, you know, you know how it yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, I know how it is. Okay, I'll see you after. <laughs> Bye. Right. Craig Young, welcome back to Hackable, sir. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Today, we are doing some cell phone hacking. And I'm excited to do, to do this because it's one of those hacks we've done before on the show, but I sort of feel like we could do endless amounts of hacks because on my phone I have gobsmacks of information and for the most part I carry it with me. I put it down the table of restaurants. I do all sorts of things that could make my phone vulnerable and and is not protected in the same way my laptop is protected. So Craig, before we get into this, normally on the show I end up being kind of a sitting duck and this time, because I know that it's important to protect your cell phone, I've armed myself with some tools and I've actually uh, gone through and added some virus protection to my cell phone. Uh, one, because I think it's important because I have a ton of information on my cell phone. The other is that uh, I want to give you a challenge. I think I'm up for it. Okay. So I know that uh, you were talking with Pedro ahead of time and that uh, Pedro is here. Do you want to say hello, Pedro? Hello, Pedro. Okay, that is the worst dad joke I've ever heard. Thank you. Uh, Pedro is here, and and uh, as a uh, UN-style neutral observer, 
uh, to to see it. Well, all. well, a bit more than that because when I set this up with Craig, you know, he sent me the cable, the charging cable that we're going to use for this hack, uh, and some other technology that's important because um, I'm going to be sort of the surrogate hacker working for Craig in your house. And, and Craig, I guess it is worth mentioning that you are thousands of miles away uh, while you're doing this hack. So I guess Pedro is your surrogate hacker. You've trusted him with something? Yes, I have. Send a nice okay. little care package. <laughs> Excellent. It's thankfully not very complicated and very clearly labeled. Speaking of which, so here is the charging cable that uh, Craig sent. Do you want to just describe it, Jeff? Okay, so you are handing, Pedro is handing me a uh, a charging cable in a lovely uh, plastic package, which I will just... You don't have to package. describe that. Well, just I, the just, cable. I, it's radio, it's theater of the mind. Uh, so in uh, this package is a, what looks like a very normal uh, USB charging cable. Uh, I'm assuming you want me to, to plug in my phone? Yeah, if you could go ahead and get it charging, that would be great. Okay, now the, you didn't give me one of those uh, little QB things that goes to the end of it and plugs into the wall. So oh, a wall wart, yeah. If I just, uh, just do plug it. it into your computer. Okay. The sound you're hearing is Jeff trying to find a USB input. I found the USB port. Okay, so it is now, uh, it is plugged in and my phone is charging. So what happens now? Okay, now I think I need to do something. Right, Craig? Yes, so if you look in that package, you'll see there's a little remote control, a little uh, non-inconspicuous-looking circuit board. If you go ahead and attach the antenna onto that... Kind of looks like something that they would have had on, like, the A-Team. It's very small. It's like a little circuit board. It's remarkably nicely designed. There's, like, a Damask pattern on the back. Now everyone's Googling Damask. Okay, I can't see it from where I am. What, is it, what does it look like? Is it... No, I'm not going to show you. Can't get, okay, fine. Pedro um, is hiding and, it. And then it's got a regular tree. like antenna thing. Okay, so I've screwed on the antenna. What do I do now? Yeah, so now there's an on-off switch. I want you to flip that to the on position. Okay, done. And you should see some flashing lights. And you're going to want to hit the A button. You've got two buttons, A and B. Press the one that's marked A. Okay, now the light flashed briefly when I turned it on, but there's no light now. Is that okay? That should be okay. Okay, let me hit A. Okay, wait, wait. Well, uh, something on my computer screen, uh, but my phone seems fine. But on my computer screen, it says it's the administrator Windows PowerShell, and there's a what looks like one of those scary blue, I guess maybe not scary if you're a programmer, but a, a like DOS uh, prompt. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I see a connection opening. Perfect. Okay, and it just said to turn on virus protection is turned off. Yes. Did you turn off my virus protection? I did turn off your virus protection. Oh, come on. That's not fair. <laughs> All is fair in this game, Jeff. <laughs> okay, so what, have, what, what has just happened? So right now what's happened is uh, that cable turned itself into a keyboard when you had your back turned and entered what? some keystrokes onto your computer to pull up PowerShell, turn off your antivirus, and then download a malware implant from my server. I understood like a tenth of what you said. But let me just, let me break it down. So what, what's happening to my phone right now? I, are, you, are you in my phone? No, this was actually a little bit of a ploy. I'm in your computer now. So I'm 
I just got <laughs> system level access to the laptop you've got the phone hooked up to. What? So, oh, no. Now, Craig, is that all coming from this little remote control that you gave me? So that remote control sent a signal to the cable, and the cable um, basically wakes itself up and says, I'm not a charging cable for a moment. I'm actually going to be a human interface device or a human input device. And that means it's acting like a keyboard and can enter in keystrokes and commands just like Jeff sitting in front of the computer. Like, what does that mean? I can almost understand that, but not totally. So USB, um, like a lot of things that we rely on, it was kind of designed without a whole lot of security in mind. So there's not really any kind of mechanism in place where your computer can say, hey, I know I've got this keyboard and this mouse hooked up, and that's the keyboard and mouse I want to use. Really, anything that is connected to the USB port can just start sending messages to say, I'm actually this type of device. So this USB cable could act like a keyboard and start emulating keystrokes as if somebody is typing, or it could start emulating a network adapter and it can actually start stealing some of the network traffic that your computer is sending out. So just so I understand this, and this is really dumbing it down, but your computer is dumb enough that the computer in some ways can't differentiate between a charging cable that's not supposed to be issuing commands, and if you had a keyboard plugged into your USB port that is. It's just treating everything the same? Yeah, that's sort of it. Um, If you can connect something to the USB bus, then you're able to pretend to be whatever type of device you want to pretend to be. Okay, so I have about 50,000 questions. Uh, I guess my first question is, now that you have, what did you say, system access? System level access, yeah. System level access, what does that mean? So I should be able to get whatever files off of the computer I would want, view your screen, um, should be able to pull some webcam snaps as well, (laughs) uh, start recording your audio. Let's see what happens if I try and grab a webcam snap here. Okay. I don't like this. (laughs) <laughs> it's not funny. Kind of is. All right, and we do have a picture shot. Really? Um, I can give you a, I can send that to you in a minute, but you know what? I actually would like it if you um, could open up your web browser and log into a website. That seems like, this all seems like a horrible idea, but I will. Okay. Uh... You keep your passwords on a sticky pad? Shh, I'm just serious. <laughs> After all these years. Okay. Okay, enough. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna log in to my Gmail password, which was on a sticky pad, but I will now take it off. Hold on. Okay, I've just entered my password. Alright, so it looks like we entered the word. Yep, there that's you go. my password. Okay. So wow. Like can I just say because I touched this little button on the remote? Can I just tell people that I that I did this? That I did this hack? I think it sounds fair. You just have to disregard the infrastructure setup and all that. But you should definitely feel like a somebody in a movie setting off a bomb, I think, when you're pushing that button. And so so um Craig, like really this cord, can I take this cord out or do I have to leave it in my machine? Yeah, if you take that cord out, I will still have okay. access. Uh, what? Okay. Well then there's no point taking it out. Wait but, a second. How can you still have access when the cord is out? Well, at this point, the malware is now just running on the computer. So the keyboard, the the cable, as it were, this was just our initial infection point. Oh, I thought you were sort of running the commands through the cable. But the cable was really just the way to deliver the stuff onto the laptop? 
Yeah, and that's what's kind of scary about these keystroke injection attacks, that you really just need a few seconds of unattended access to the computer, and you can have persistent access if you know what you're doing. And just to be clear again, this is a regular, like it looks like a total regular charging cable. Like there's nothing unusual about it. And I'm assuming, Craig, all that stuff is in sort of the excuse my ignorance, the thick end of the cable? Um, yeah, so inside of the the slightly fatter end of the cable, um, there's basically what's called an Arduino. Uh, so it's an Atmel microcontroller that has a Bluetooth radio wired onto it and a hole sensor, actually. And what this does is allows you to have something that looks like a regular cable because it's nice and small and compact. Um, but in actuality, when you bring this magnet up to it, it's revealing that it is, in fact, an Arduino that you can program, and then that programming can have it do various things, sending messages to the computer over USB. Okay. And, and, and I guess the premise being you have this cable, you you know leave it at a cafe or whatever, somebody picks it up, and you're sitting across from the cafe watching your target plug in the cable, and you're there to press the remote. Is that, is that kind of where you'd use it? That would be an attack vector. Um, I think... A very, very realistic attack for this is if, say, somebody has access to an office transiently as a janitor or somebody refilling the soda machine, for example, if you walk around and you look at different computers, you're bound to see at least one or two people just has, say, a USB lightning bolt or a USB-C cable hanging off of their hub or off of their monitor that has a hub built into it. If you quietly swap that out, you now just have to wait till they come back and plug in their computer and have it unlocked you can send that signal to attack it. Okay, that's amazing. That's amazing. Well, again, what gets me is that it's like it's just a regular charging cable. Like it's not even a different color. Like it it I can't believe all this stuff is packed into that. Yeah, it's really quite impressive how they've managed to make this look like a legitimate cable. Excellent. Well, Craig, uh thank you so much. I now have to change my Gmail password and I also have to uh clean up my computer. So have you permanently turned off my virus scanning software or can I just re-enable it using, you know, system controls or whatever? Um, yeah, you can re-enable it with system controls. That prompt that came up that said that you do not have antivirus running. If you click yeah. that, it should guide you towards how to re-enable ah, it. Perfect. Okay, Craig. Well, I totally appreciate this. And and Craig, one last thing. The little remote that, that it comes with is such a cool little piece of... Can I use it for anything else? Like... Is there like a little car I can control or something in my house? I've been thinking about what the possibilities are for that. Um, right now, though, there's nothing, just the cable. Oh, man, it's so... So I have to send it back? I would appreciate it. All right. Well, well, thank you so much, Craig. I uh, I appreciate you doing this hack and, and giving Pedro the brief feeling of um, uh, hacker intelligence that he's been so desperately craving in his life. So uh, you've made me terrified and Pedro very, very happy. So thank you, sir. Yeah, thank you again for having me on. It's been great. I'm back with Bruce Nell, cybersecurity expert. Uh, holy baloli. That was, uh, can I say holy baloli on a podcast? <laughs> I, I think so. You just did. I think they'll we'll probably beep it out uh, because it's just so foul. <laughs> but that's how I'm feeling. I'm feeling like that was good. That way it was good because... It wasn't my phone, first of all, so I got right. duped on on what the thing was. And once again, the amount of uh, I, I'm see I'm even lost for words, but, but the amount of vulnerability <laughs> uh, 
uh, that that I had throughout this. It's just it's just shocking how how deep and how quick Craig was able to to infiltrate my computer system. Yeah, and 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 you'll love the the name of the the cable uh, if you were to go and, and try and track it down. It's called the USB Ninja. Yeah, there you go. Which, USB uh, Ninja. I think it's apt. So, stealth. Stealth. <laughs> so. I don't want this to happen again. Sure. I don't like I don't like when this happens, Bruce. What what can I do to protect myself? Oh, this is this is a tough one. Um I mean, basically just don't trust any cables you didn't buy yourself. Right? Okay. I think that's I mean, you know, it's it's kind of it kind of extends to the the rule of don't plug in a USB that you find on the ground. Um, yeah. which I think is the is the modern equivalent of telling kids not to eat things that they find on the floor, right? Um, so this attack, uh, you know, it's basically you're plugging it in, your computer recognizes it as a keyboard, and then suddenly it starts typing things into your, you know, onto your computer, right? As, as if somebody was sitting there directly in front of your, your keyboard. So really you'd have to take an approach of, and I've seen a few security vendors do this, of attempting to do a little bit of behavioral based protection. What do you mean? Um, so basically, I mean, and, and I don't, I don't mean to insult you, but I'm assuming that you don't <laughs> type at a thousand words per minute, right? I do not. Right. So, so you're, so you, you could in theory have security software that says, okay, if I, if I see a USB device plugged in and then suddenly Jeff starts typing war and peace at a thousand words per minute, something's amiss. Right. Okay. And, and, and stop that and, and try to shut that down. But again, that's, that's really tricky, right? Because what if you do suddenly, you know, you get a, a double espresso and you're suddenly typing faster than you've ever typed before. There's, there's always a chance. There's yeah. always a chance. So right now, like I said, the best prevention for this is just to not plug in strange cables. Um, we did actually find one other solution, Bruce. Okay. Have you heard of the USB condom? <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, then you'll know the story. We, I didn't know the story. And Pedro Mendez uh, tracked down uh, the creator of the USB condom, Stephen Ridley, and spoke with him. And, and I want to bring you that conversation now. Perfect. This should be interesting. Hi, my name is Stephen Ridley. I'm a security researcher by trade. Stephen is also the co-author of the Android Hacker's Handbook, so he knows a thing or two about security vulnerabilities when it comes to mobile devices, which is why he and his team came up with the idea of something that would allow for only power transfer, not data transfer, the USB condom. You plug your USB cable or device into one end, then the condom's other end into your port or computer. And just so you can picture this thing, it's a tiny circuit board with USB ports on either end. It kind of looks homemade and a little raw. I tweeted about it. Hey, I'm going to have some of these at the next con. Just uh, hit me up if you guys want one. Uh, And then I left the office after tweeting that out. And I think I came in in the uh, afternoon on Saturday. And when I checked Twitter, it had gone, the tweet had gone viral. Orders started pouring in for the USB condom. Companies, big companies, were ordering so many, it was hard to keep up with the demand. But that's also when Stephen and his team realized they needed to make some changes. First, the thing needed a case. It just looks all electric-y and breakable. Also, there's the name. Someone was placing, a big company was placing a bulk order, and they said, uh, uh, the guy actually called me, and we talked on the phone a little bit just to increase the bandwidth from the email threads. And he said... uh, 
Hey, listen, I, is there any way we could uh, do this PO without uh, me having to put condom on my balance sheet? <laughs> so the USB condom became the sync stop. Just as descriptive, but maybe not as sexy. Anyway, this all comes down to one thing. The fear that USB charging could be vulnerable to hackers. Stephen admits it's not a widespread problem with only a few isolated examples. Oddly enough, e-cigarettes. So they found malicious firmware in e-cigarette devices that were infecting not only computers but also phones, um, with the idea being that these e-cigarettes were chargeable via USB, so people didn't assume that there was any logic in them, but in fact they were propagating malware. All of this makes me think that even though we shouldn't necessarily be wary of every charging station we see, we should always be mindful that we are opening ourselves up to who knows what when we plug a device with bucket loads of personal stuff into an unknown port. But it's not just data theft that we should be mindful of, as Stephen points out. We had one guy email in that he was charging his iPhone in his work iMac every day. And one day he was just rushing and forgot and just, I think he said, accept or trust. And uh, his phone synced all of his photos to his iMac at work. And his iMac screensaver was playing from his, his photo album. So he walked away from his computer and he said he came back from break and like his personal photos were all slideshowing on the Mac. So even though it isn't called the USB condom anymore... I think this old saying still holds. Don't be a fool. Cover your tool. That was uh, Pedro (laughs) Mendez in conversation with Stephen Ridley, the creator of the USB condom. Uh, So I guess that's one solution. Yeah. I mean, it is good to practice uh, safe hex. Sorry, that's a terrible programmer joke. <laughs> there you go. It went over my head. That's all right. That's all right. I get, I get the spirit of it. Though. It wasn't funny. Um, Bruce, yes. uh, the other thing I would like to do is uh, we've been getting amazing calls on the Hackable uh-huh. Hotline. And a question came in that I would love to hear the answer. This question comes in from Ross from Virginia. And uh-huh. uh, I want to play that for you now. Hi, Bruce and Jeff. My name is Ross from Virginia. I really enjoyed your show. Had a question about securing everyday usage of the internet. Um, at this point, since there are so many vulnerabilities out there, does it make sense to use a virtual desktop for most of your web browsing? And for IoT devices, does it make sense to connect all of them to a guest network rather than your home network? Okay, so Bruce, I I actually understood the second part of the question. Sure. About, about connecting to a guest network. Though <laughs> do, I have to, do, uh, do you want me to start I with the a, second part first? Well, that it, I guess if they're if they're different, that's the one I understand. The virtual desktop. Okay. Like, yeah. I, I understand the words. So so let's answer <laughs> the second one. So so should your IoT devices be connected to your guest network? And I know that my uh, my home network has a guest and a regular setting. Uh-huh. Like typically it's good to to have them all on a separate network. The problem that you run into is that most manufacturers that do, you know, provide a guest network, a lot of times that that guest network is completely segmented off from everything else on your local network okay. and can only connect directly to the internet. Right? Which is fine if you've got somebody visiting your house, but if you think about IoT, the whole com- the whole reason you're using IoT and you know the smart home is that everything's connected and listening to each other, right? So you ah. can you can say, "Hey Alexa, turn off the lights," right? Okay, um, and that's going to require all the devices talking 
you know, across your local network to each other to be able to do that. So having them on a guest network that isolates the traffic probably wouldn't necessarily work out. Um, Now, if you have the capability to, you can always, you know, a lot of times you can set up a separate network um, that, that would allow that, you know, that traffic to remain by itself. And that would prevent, you know, anybody that's on your network from hacking your IOT devices would still allow them to communicate. But I think at the end of the day, it's probably best just to, you know, keep everything that you own on your own network and then only allow, you know, your guests to actually use the guest network. So basically don't allow any visitors on to your, to your private network. Okay. So you're, you're, private network which is your main network you mm-hmm. go on your kids go on yep. your your partner goes on your iot devices go on but nobody else right right and that's okay. that's the whole point for for having that guest network okay so bruce so let's talk about ross's first question about the the virtual uh-huh. desktop is that something he should do uh i you know i would recommend for most users um the the complexity of setting up the virtual desktop is probably a bit over over what you want to do. Um, sound, I don't even know what it is. So it, sound, yeah. it sounds more complicated than I have the skills for. Yeah, I, I think there's enough security built in to you know modern browsers, and if you've got the appropriate security, you know, um, security software as well to kind of protect against you know the majority of stuff that you'll see while browsing the web. Um, while a virtual desktop would be more secure, obviously. Um, there have been attacks that have actually jumped out of the virtual desktop and attacked the local machine. So they're not, that's okay. not a hundred percent foolproof anyway, or either. So it's one of those that if you want to go to the extra trouble of doing it, sure, it'll be safer, but I don't think the, the reward is enough to, to justify the time and effort for the average person to go through setting up a virtual desktop. Excellent. And then I don't even have to learn what a virtual desktop is. So I think that works out really. <laughs> yeah. That's good advice. Don't Keep worry your pretty little head about it. Yeah. Excellent. <laughs> I like that. If anyone wants to call in and ask questions or, or give ideas for hacks or just wants to say hi, we love, love, love getting these calls. And the hotline number is 1-855-4-HACKABLE. That's 1-855, then the number 4, and Hackable. And this has been Hackable, an original podcast from McAfee. Uh, If you want to find out more about what's on the show, the address is hackablepodcast.com. Thanks so much, Bruce. All right. Thanks, Jeff. Take care. 